Hello and welcome to the Over the Barricade podcast. I am your host, Ryan Downing, joined as always by my tag team partner, live via satellite, and both of us are not feeling well. It's Lee Brando. Yeah. That's about as much excitement as you're getting out of either of us today. Um, maybe true. not. Maybe we'll, we'll, we've got a lot to get through and we want to get through it in a short amount of time so we can both go back to getting some rest and some hydration. Um, it's that time of year, folks. Um, see, this is what happens when, when we, when we painstakingly traveled to a remote location to go watch Wrestle Kingdom and lo and behold, we got the sick. I don't know what it's called, but the sick. Yeah, that remote location was full of a virus, apparently. Apparently. It wasn't as remote as we needed it to be, apparently. Um, no. All right, so uh, the last episode we went through Wrestle Kingdom, uh, which was a very good card, very good show, a lot of great matches on it. Um, I guess we can start with the, well, at least briefly discuss the star ratings that have come out from that. Dave Meltzer's, of course, uh, star ratings that come out after most big promotions uh, events, and there were uh, there was uh, betting odds that uh, on which match would be five star. Uh, Okada Naito being five star was at minus two fifty. Jericho Omega was at minus one eighty. If you understand what that means, thank you. Um, Ultimately, Meltzer gave Jericho and Omega a five star and Okada and Naito a four and a half. Four and a half is not bad, but given uh, Okada's run, it kind of seems on the low end. Yeah, especially in the last year, as far as matches overall, not just Okada's. I I um I disagreed a little bit. Of course, this is all subjective. Sure. Um, I disagreed a little bit with this. I would have given both the main events five stars, um, especially since the Killer Elite Squad uh, versus um, Sonata and, um, uh, what was it, Evil? Yep. Uh, Especially since that match got four stars. So I was kind of thrown off by that. Um, Not that that was a bad match, but that being four stars and Okada Naito being four and a half seemed a little close for how differently I viewed those matches as far as um, quality and importance and spectacle and all that. Um, so yeah, I, I disagreed a, a little bit here with, uh, with Dave, but you know, at the end of the day, I think it was still a very strong card. I don't think there were any Okada Omega type matches from last year on the card but I thought there were some pretty solid matches and what I thinking back on it what I liked was that every match was a different style not a different stipulation just a different style and that's what that's what um the WWE gets wrong a lot they think to to mix a card up you've got to do different stipulations and different um you know number of competitors and uh all this and that and and that's because everyone's working pretty much the same style. But in this card, everyone was working a very uh, different style. So you felt like you never saw the same match twice. WWE would have stuck uh, between Jericho and Omega and Okada Naito. They would have stuck like an Elias segment. Yeah. 
Whereas I think to a degree, New Japan was burned by a little bit. I think that Okada Naito match was burned just a little bit by how good the Omega Jericho match was. We really, is it safe to say that neither of us thought that it was necessarily going to be five stars, but it could be that good? It just, it was the best version of that match it could have been. Which one, Omega or Omega Jericho? Um, yeah, I mean it. It could have, you know, I really didn't know what to expect. I I doubted that we would get the you know Okada Omega style match, and we didn't. They didn't really even try for that, you know. So no, told, they told I, two very different stories. Those two main events, and I think they did a very nice yeah. job at both. Um, Definitely. The only thing I could have against Okada Naito is that it had to follow Omega Jericho, which maybe is the reason that, you know, I think they both told great stories. They both suited the the storylines and the performers in the ring. Everybody, I think, hit on all cylinders. Um, and Okada Naito, I think the only reason it didn't feel more important is because we just saw this um, last year. Just not at Wrestle Kingdom. Yeah. Yeah, and I think um another thing that really would have put it over the top is is if Naito would have gone over. I think yeah. then the match would be, you know, exponentially better. Um you know, not that it was a bad match, but I think just like the the whole structure of it and everything if Naito would have won, you would uh probably think that was the best match on the card just because of the you know magnanimity of that so um yeah i don't know i don't know what to what to do with okada from here we discussed it briefly um you know how to keep him from getting stale he hasn't yet you know there's a lot of cool things that are coming up of course he's going to be wrestling sonata um next and i doubt that'll be the end of the reign but um That'll be, I believe, his 10th title defense. And so you could have it to where at Dominion in June, it will not only be Okada's two-year anniversary as a champion, it will be, he will be also um, defending it to break the all-time number of defense mm -hmm. uh, record held by Tanahashi with 11. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you could have all that line up in a really cool moment. And you could even put him with Tanahashi, who was the guy that Okada, when he was relatively unknown, originally beat and ended uh, a year-plus reign by Tanahashi as IWGP champion. Yeah. So there's a lot of cool things coming up in the summer. But then, you know, after that, where do you go? You know, there's... Who do you put him with in Long Beach? I think that's even before Dominion. Um, so I, I don't know what you do there either. That is an interesting proposition because we know they their last uh, G1 special in the USA, uh, it was Cody who ended up getting the, uh, the main event spot on night one. Um, night two, of course, was the final of the U.S. title tournament, but... Um, I, I'm not sure. I think they've got some some work to do. Uh, maybe that's a spot where you put. You could try Omega again and put him up there. I think it would be believable and people would be happy with it. Um, you could also maybe put Jay White in that role. Um, obviously, not American, but neither is Omega. So, 
Um, yeah. You know, you. I think you have directions you could go. I don't think they do Cody Rhodes again. Um, maybe it's an ROH guy. Uh, you know, the breakout ROH's breakout star of the year was uh, Hangman Page. That would be a really big boost to him, and it would probably be a really good match. I'm just thinking yeah. outside the box. Like, for you know that he's not going to win, but at the same time, like, that could be a really good match and could really help. Uh, it could be Okada making another star. Yeah, I'm just... That would fit more into the Bring of Honor sphere of things than the New Japan sphere of things as far as Hangman Page goes. He's, he's not at the same level as... Um, in New Japan as he is in Ring of Honor. He's much higher in Ring of Honor, I should say. That's true. Uh, so I don't know what you do. And then, of course, you have Jericho, but I think maybe Jericho Naito is going to be what's at that Long Beach show. That's probably um, right. So, Do you think they would you know, maybe I, not defend the world title on that? I, are they doing two nights for that again? Do we know? No, it's just, it's just one night this year, which is um, pretty good i guess i mean it's it's harder to do two in a row obviously well i know they want to try and they're in a a venue that's what three or four times as big as the one they were in yeah so they're gonna they're gonna try to go for more people but on one night and you know they don't have to have a, a world title defense they certainly have you know a lot of other titles that are very prestigious that people would would pay to see, you know, the U.S. title, which is brand new, but people would pay to see that, the Intercontinental title, the junior heavyweight, um, the tag team, the junior tag team, all held by people that uh, are really respected and adored right now. So they don't necessarily have to do it, um, but if they did, it it would uh, introduce kind of, it would be more problematic, I'm sure, booking-wise, and uh, I think you got to at least get him to Dominion, but after that, I I don't know. You know, he 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 said in his closing uh, promo at Wrestle Kingdom, you know, there was like uh, it was set up for forty five thousand people, and there was like forty four thousand people. So there were a few, very few empty seats, and he pointed those out, um, which is something that you know, WWE would never do. Uh, but he pointed out the few empty seats in the crowd and he said, next year, you know, with me on top again, that there's not going to be one empty seat. So I don't know if that it was something he just said or if that's the plan. If it is the plan, that's going to be a, a pretty crazy run when it's all said and done. It already is. But, uh, you know, three years in a row headlining uh, Russell Kingdom as an unbeaten champion. That's uh, that's one for the history books. And, uh, well, and that's, I feel that's very much in his character anyways, so I think that works for him, even if he just they said did, it off, uh, offhand. The funny thing is they did a survey in Japan about uh, who are the greatest wrestling champions that ever lived. And he came in, Okada that is, I think he came in fourth or fifth you know, only behind people like Baba and Noki. Mm-hmm. Um, he he came in above Ricky Dozan. So oh. that gives you a hint at how he's being viewed in Japan. Yeah. He's, uh, so I don't he think is, it would be a problem if he continued to be champion. His legacy is building by the day. Um, yeah. 
So let's move forward to uh, New Year's Dash. Oh, by the way, they've said that for they ultimately, after a very successful Wrestle Kingdom, next year want to fill more seats in that. If you watch Wrestle Kingdom, you know that there are there are big empty spaces that they use as walkways and areas that you know they they haven't felt comfortable putting seats in because they didn't feel they could sell them. They don't want empty seats. So they have discussed though after this most recent Wrestle Kingdom that they will possibly be putting more seats in the outfield. Ultimately, they want to fill the outfield and fill that stadium to capacity, and they feel that's sooner rather than later. Um, With the type of booking they're doing and the heat, you know, the momentum, not the heat, the momentum that they have, they're possibly on their way to doing that in the next few years, but they've got to continue to book smart and um, keep bringing in both the Japanese uh, interest and the international interest, which they are balancing very well at the moment for a promotion that is not as big in Japan as it is internationally. And uh, even though it is, of course, super popular in Japan, you know, relatively speaking. Um, that being said, let's go to New Year's Dash. Uh, we're not going to go through everything because most of New Year's Dash is not a whole lot of anything, um, which is what it's designed to be. A um, couple of big tag matches. Um, Jay White uh, makes his return match, which was um, the. Uh, it's booked in here as uh, Katsu Kitamura, who I believe won the Young Lions the the Young Lions Cup. Is that what it's called? Um, am I saying this right? Am I doing this right? Um, yes, I think that's right. Is this one? Yes. Uh, <laughs> anywho, um, of course, uh, yeah, those Ki- are two. Those are two uh, people to watch out for. I think in New Japan, Kitamura and uh, Jay White, obviously. Kitamura is a monster of a man. Um, but this was his seven match trial. The first match of those seven matches, uh, he's defeated by Jay White in seven and a half minutes. Seven and a half minutes, and uh, solid match for an early to mid card match. Um, the six-man tag team match between the Bullet Club and Rapongi 3K and Cheeseburger was just as hilarious as you'd think it would be. Um, Matt Jackson. Yeah, the thing where they, because, you know, they they uh, hurt their backs in the tag title match the night before, so they're way overselling the backs. And I believe it was, it was Matt Jackson and Show were, uh, if yeah. I remember correctly, were in the ring at the time, and they go for a collar and elbow tie-up, and then they have to break both of them because their backs hurt too bad. Um, and cheeseburger. Well, the, the thing is, they send in Nick first, um, I believe, because Nick was in, you know, pretty all right shape from the night before, whereas Kenny and Matt were were banged up, and so Nick goes in, and within the first minute, he hurts his ankle, so now he's hurt, so now nobody's good, and uh, the guy in the best physical uh, shape who feels the best is Cheeseburger. So it's a pretty good story. Pretty funny. It was pretty funny. Man. It was great. At one point, Cheeseburger is chopping all three members of the elite in the corner. It's fab. It's a fabulous. If you if we just watched Kenny Omega have a five star match the night before, the Young Bucks and Rapongi 3K had a great match the night before, and then they came out and successfully were comedy wrestlers, and it was yeah. just a funny match, and you still believe. In the Bullet Club and Rapongi 3K. It's yeah, great. Right. Go watch it. It's really funny. And it's such a great contrast after watching both of their matches, which were so serious, obviously, at Wrestle Kingdom. So, 
Um, from there, um, the never open weight six man tag team title match, uh, we get a return. Uh, we get uh, Chaos, Beretta, Ishii, and Yano defending against Fale, Tonga, and Loa. Um, Tama Tonga and Tonga Loa. And there's a title change on New Year's Dash, which doesn't happen. Um, but almost 15 minute match, Bullet Club regains the six man tag team titles. Um, kind of going a little bit Ms. Zack Ryder there. I mean, to a point, but not exactly because, I mean, it was such a random hodgepodge team and with Yana won there, how long could that have actually lasted, you know? It could have at um, least but, made it, it could have at least made it to New Beginning in Osaka. <laughs> they could have had the titles for like a month. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I mean, I see why they did it, but I, I, I'm, you know, of all the sh- things to change the next night, that was the least surprising. Thing. Yeah. Um, it either way, the Bullet Club with the, those titles makes a lot of sense. Um, Bullet Club's got a lot of titles currently. Um, really? Then from there, so Suzuki, uh, ugh, I can speak. Suzuki Goon took on uh, Suzuki Goon, of course, with uh, the Killer Elite Squad. Suzuki and Zack Sabre Jr. defeating War Machine, Hiroshi Tanahashi and Michael Elgin. Uh, War Machine, who are reportedly, uh, according to Dave Meltzer, on their way to WWE, along with Ricochet. Um, I don't know if anything's been officially signed or anything, but according to Meltzer, it's a done deal. Uh, Which we've known about for a while. That's pretty much what we've been talking about. Um, So, uh, from there, the main event, 10-man tag team match, LIJ takes on Chaos. LIJ wins the match. Um, uh, Naito is takes the mic. He's talking about the night before. He's talking about uh, LIJ moving forward. Um, he talks up Sonata. And then as four of Naito remains in the ring while the rest of LIJ leaves. And... We hear a a noise from the crowd. In runs Chris Jericho. And Chris Jericho attacks Tetsuya Naito. And the rest of LIJ takes their sweet time coming to save their leader. Yeah, that... So, you know, when I saw that, originally I saw it as a kind of a babyface turn for Naito. You know, a long time in the making there. And kind of a... uh, him being outcast from LIJ um, and kind of them turning their back on him. But that I guess going forward, that's not really how it's going to play. So if that's not how it's going to play, it was very odd that LIJ just stood there and, and let that all happen and then got in afterwards. Takahashi was on hard cam side. He climbed up the ropes as slowly as possible up onto the apron. And like Naito's getting his face kicked in. And Takahashi's like, what do you want me to do, boss? It's great. Yeah. It's great. I love Takahashi. Takahashi is wonderful. Um, Takahashi might be my fate, like one of my favorites now. After just the last few months of watching New Japan, he's a wonderful wrestler, a great character, and just all around joyful to watch. Um, yes. All right. So. Um, that's pretty much it. We are on to, um, the new beginning in Osaka. They've got a couple other events that are coming up, of course, as well. Uh, Fantastica Mania 2018 is coming. 
Um, but their next uh, new beginning in Osaka will really be kind of their next big step. Uh, we'll see. Uh, of course, the other thing that happened is Jay White was invited into the Bullet Club by Kenny Omega um, and then proceeded to beat up Kenny Omega and join Chaos. So Jay White will uh, challenge for Omega's U.S. Heavyweight Championship, and um, that will happen at New Beginning. Um, yeah, and then um, I guess going forward on the road and for smaller shows, it's going to be Jay White and Sho and Yo in a six-man with uh, Kenny and the Bucks. What a contrast. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yes, the New Japan is also going on their Australia tour. Um it's a, it's a fun time to be watching New Japan, by the way. Um, if it's you a great time to be watching New Japan. And I think a lot, you know, I think um, they haven't announced it, but it's pretty uh, pretty much a sure thing that their New Japan world number has broken six figures. It's in over 100,000 subscribers now. We'll see how long they're able to hold on to that. I think they'll be fine because I think that people um, going to them, they weren't subscribing for like the reasons that you subscribe to the WWE network, which is often very cyclical, mm-hmm. you know. And it could be, it could become that because there is a cyclical nature to to New Japan's year as well. But um, I think that more hardcore fans are going to New Japan, and they're more apt to stay. Um, but yeah, I mean, you got to think this time last year for Wrestle Kingdom 11, there was what 50 to 60,000 subscribers, if that, you know, um, so to, to almost double it in a year's time. And really a lot of that in the last couple of months, uh, with the build to this year's Wrestle Kingdom and then e- even going forward after that, continuing to grow, I think uh, I think that's a very they've you know, probably a lot of happy people in the company right now. Um, you know, it's nowhere near the WWE Network number, but uh, it's not it's not going to be. It's uh, you know, it's a smaller company, and uh, they're based in Japan, which has a different culture. They're not really into the streaming sc- subscription service culture like we are. Um, you know, Netflix doesn't even do big numbers there so uh i think i think it's a good thing and you know the uh there were estimates that there were you know two to three thousand um american slash you know canadian you know irish uh you know foreign people in attendance for wrestle kingdom um which you know last year there may have been 200 so just you know worldwide numbers way up and uh you know still going strong in the home country of japan so i think it's a good time to be watching new japan i think they're really gonna uh they're really gonna go for it this year like they did last year uh just more so yeah if you missed if you missed anything in 2017 tune in for 2018 because it looks like it will be a lot more of the same which is a wonderful wonderful thing it's also a wonderful alternative to the wwe product which um you know we enjoy the wwe product we watch it we talk about it a lot but it's nice to be able to sample different things um that's why we talk about as many of the things as we possibly can one of the things that we need to talk about in regards to an upcoming show 
that uh, you're scheduled to be on, although I don't think that's been officially announced yet, um, officially, officially, is the uh, ACW, Ellsworth's Homecoming Show, in February. Yes, there is February 16th. February 16th, there is big news. Uh, uh, not that it's in Glen Burnie, but it is in Glen Burnie. The big news, of course, is that one of the big headliners for that show, Austin Aries, has a brand new title belt. That's right, and uh, I guess that can segue into a lot of things. There's a lot of changes going on at Impact Wrestling. They're back to the four-sided ring. Which um, uh, Don Callis has already been interviewed on. Yeah, um, the the title belt is just called the World Championship again. They've taken away uh, the the round and scoring system for the Grand Championship, um, which you know is a neat concept, but in a sport where there's a certain set of rules to have one match on the card, have a different set of rules entirely, you know, scored differently, win differently, seems a little seems a little odd. You know, and why are why are these certain matches the only ones going to time limit draws and stuff like that? After a while, as a fan, you start to ask. It starts to take you out of it. Um, right. So, yeah, Austin Aries has one regained the TNA World Champ or Impact World Championship, excuse me, from Eli Drake. Um, so I guess you know, if, in, unless something happens in the next you know five weeks, he's going to be strolling into Glen Burnie uh, as uh, Impact Champion. Also, you know, we have uh, Jerry the King Lawler on that show, and he's he's going to be on the 25th anniversary of Raw in two weeks, uh, which is starting to sound a little uh, claustrophobic. You know, it's a little jam-packed in there. Um, I'm, I'm not sure what they're going to do, but I do have one bet, one guarantee on that 25th anniversary of Raw. I bet you that The Undertaker is going to appear at the Manhattan Center. I agree. The, the site of the first Monday Night Raw, which is actually on the day that we're recording it, January 11th, 1993. Uh, he's going to appear there, and it's going to seem live to you watching at home, and he's going to disappear, and he's going to appear in the ring at the, uh, uh, what is it called, the Barclays Center. Yes. Um, he's, so he's going to transport, he's going to teleport from the Manhattan Center to the, the Barclays Center uh, probably to have a confrontation with John Cena and set up their WrestleMania match for this year. Possibly. As a, um, I think if, if done right, that could be pretty cool. If done in a way that uh, really makes you scratch your head. I don't think they'll do cool. that on Raw 25, though. Um, ultimately, uh, they might lay the seed for it. They might lay the groundwork for it, but... I don't think yeah. they're going to specifically do it because I think ultimately John Cena has already been confirmed for a special appearance at Fastlane, which is a SmackDown pay-per-view, uh, the last one before Mania. Um, so we know that he's going to be on that show. Assuming he doesn't win the Rumble, which I think is not a terrible assumption, um, it's very possible that he will use that to challenge The Undertaker directly. So... I don't know. Could be interesting. I think there's a couple of different directions they'll go. I'm super curious. Um, 
as to how they're going to do this. I think the two superstars who I think you can near guarantee that are going to show up at the Manhattan Center are Taker and Shawn Michaels. Um, both of I whom, hope so. Both of whom are the only confirmed attendees on this uh, of all these um, legends that they're bringing back that actually were on the first episode of Raw. Well, I mean, yeah, who else are they going to get? Damian Demento, <laughs> who I think was the person that wrestled Undertaker on the first Raw. Um, was Crush on there? No, maybe not. Max Moon. Can we get Max Moon back? Um, I, have... I think wasn't that Conan? Max Moon? Yeah. I think um, it was Conan. Well, our crack research staff, aka my computer, has gone in and found the very first episode of Monday Night Raw, the results. Would you like to there's only five matches on the card. Would you like me to quickly go through them? Uh, yes. Okay. Doink? Was Doink on there? Uh, hold on. I need to go through all of these. <laughs> okay. Yokozuna, with Mr. Fuji, defeated Coco Beware in 3 minutes and 45 seconds. The okay. Steiner Brothers, Rick and Scott, defeated the Executioners, Dwayne Gill and Barry Hardy, in 3 minutes flat. I, wow. I love I love that Dwayne Gill was in a tag team called the Executioners. And, having, and Dwayne Gill will be at Glen Burnie on February 16th. Anyway, go on. Having seen um having seen uh Dwayne Gill in person uh and having having met him. He these consisted of Dwayne Gill quote pain and Barry Hardy quote agony. Oh, pain and agony. That's amazing. Can I bring that up? Can I because I know he'll Gilberg Dwayne Gill will be on uh, that that show in February for ACW. I will see if I can meet him, and I want to ask him about. That's, if that's all up to you. <laughs> I want to ask him because he doesn't know me from anybody except for he probably recognizes me because I keep going to the ACW shows. Um, I'm super curious if I ask him, does he remember being pain? Which I'm sure he will. That. I can guarantee you he'll remember that being on the first episode of Raw. Um, that's amazing, by the way. That's a great tidbit I'm glad I just found. Shawn Michaels, champion, defeated Max Moon to retain yes. the Intercontinental Championship in a match that was the longest on the card at 10 minutes and 30 seconds. And you are absolutely correct. That was Conan. Yep. Uh, and The Undertaker with Paul Bearer defeated Damian Demento. In two minutes and 26 yep. seconds. And our dark match of the evening, Crush defeated Bam Bam Bigelow by disqualification. So I had a lot there. I had a lot there that was uh, correct. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I, w- I would, you know, I would dress up the Manhattan Center, which uh, which I just, I, I went by when I was in New York over Thanksgiving. I walked by it just to, and kind of, uh, you know, not pay my respects, but kind of get that little, that little vibe off it. You know, this is this is where Raw started, and uh, it was pretty neat. And I think they do it, or they did it, like on the eighth or ninth floor. And there's all these stories of them having to take up pieces of the ring one at a time on this little tiny elevator. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would do it just like that, and I would dress it up with the uh, 
colorful ropes and the you know the blue ring apron and the blue padding around the outside and the old school guardrail. I would make it look like the first Raw, and I would have your legends there, and then uh, you would have your you would keep cross cutting to your regular Raw at the Barclays Center, save for that one uh, Undertaker transportation. I think I think it'll be nice. Well, and I think they probably can afford to get the Manhattan Center a little earlier to you know take some time to put this stuff together. Uh, by the oh. way, your other segments on that show, Doink the Clown, is visible in the crowd during the uh, Steiner Brothers Executioners match. The commentators reference this. He would later return in the Shawn Michaels Max Moon match, laughing into one of the ringside cameras, but did not actively interrupt any matches. He was interviewed by Vince help. McMahon. Uh, which of course Crush interrupted. Uh, yeah, Kamala yep. turned. And then they had the uh, the Bobby Heenan thing. Was that the first episode where he keeps trying to get in? Yes, uh, that is the he last thing in. that's listed on this segment list. Kamala turned babyface. Mister Fuji was with Yokozuna. Vince McMahon interviews Razor Ramon about his upcoming uh, WWF Championship match at the Royal Rumble against Bret Hart. And Bobby Heenan was shown trying to get into the arena several times during the show using various disguises. He never managed to get in. At the end of the show, yep. Heenan is told he can enter the arena. Little did he know the show was over, and that ended the first episode of Raw. Bobby Heenan early Raw is so good. <laughs> show much stickle. Oh, it's so good. Um, so, uh, and your commentators that evening, Vince McMahon, Randy Savage, and Rob Bartlett. Yep. And your interv- yep, interviewer true. was Sean Mooney, and your ring announcer, Sean Mooney. Howard Finkel. Yeah. It's, uh, it'll, oh, excuse me. About to sneeze. Um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how they do it. Um, there's another show that we should talk about, which, uh, we're not sure if this is the date of it or if <laughs> this is the date that. I ha- Something is going to be announced. I had it up course, actually to talk about it next. Uh, of course, I had. I'm talking about the Cody Rhodes, Cody Don't Call Me Rhodes, Young Bucks, Ring of Honor, All In show, um, to which we've been given the date September first. Um, now I think that would be a Saturday, if I'm not mistaken, because Monday's the third. Yeah, Sunday's the second, so I know this is weird math to you. <laughs> this is ta- uh, this is super weird math. I know that Monday, September third is a, is a Monday. <laughs> Monday, September third um, is a Monday. Yeah, uh, so that would be a Saturday. That's traditionally um, pro wrestling gorillas bola um, weekend. So. That's it. that's an interesting thing to do there because you got to think you're going to load up this card with a lot of the same talent that would be at Bola. So either one of those are, is going to have to move or talent's going to have to choose. Um, we still don't have a location. A lot of speculation that it's going to be Chicago, but it is a holiday weekend. So if people need to travel, which I'm sure they're banking on if they want to get to 10,000 people, uh, people will it will be easier to travel. You'll have that extra day. So, you know, um, I'm I mean, it's exciting. You know, September is uh, too early for Daniel Bryan, whose contract is up at the end of September. 
So um, that's kind of out. You know, I don't know what big surprises they're planning on, but you know, we'll we'll see if they can do it. I th- I think the I think they'll get close. I'm not sure if they can do it. Mm-hmm. What are your uh, What are your thoughts on I'm that? I'm trying to figure out when Bola was this past year, um, but you were you were correct. It would be that same weekend. Uh, do you th- now yeah, Labor Day weekend? Now, Bola. Do you think if the so the confirmed names on this All In because I'm on All In's Twitter account right now. Uh, at all underscore in underscore 2018. Uh, here's who we have. Cody Rhodes, the Young Bucks, Matt and Nick Jackson, Marty Skrull, Hangman Page, Stephen Amell, and Kenny Omega. Yep. So, I, I, do you think they would go head-to-head with Bola? <laughs> Oh, excuse me. <laughs> um, <laughs> there it was. I told you it was coming. Um, I don't. I, you know, if they're if they're halfway across the country and they have a good roster, I don't think it would hurt either person. Um, because Bola, you know, at its most is only going to draw four hundred people. Because that's how big their arena is. <laughs> excuse me. PWG. Um, of course, wrestles in a very small venue, and they, even though they are popular enough to sell out larger venues, they have chosen to continue being in a small venue because that has brought the exclusivity of being able to attend one of these shows to an all-time high. They have a show tomorrow night, which is, uh, if you're depending on when you're listening to this, Friday, January twelfth, uh, eight p.m. in L.A. That thing's been sold out for a while. Those are $90 front row tickets and $70 everywhere else. So, you know, yeah, we're not talking out, thousands of dollars. Know, we're not tech- talking Royal Rumble price tickets right now. But, you know. Yeah. Um, so, I don't think it would necessarily kill either show. But I think it's not a smart idea Um to necessarily try to book two of your biggest shows because Bola is one of the biggest, if not the biggest show that PWG puts on all year. And so if you're trying to outdo yourself talent wise and everyone's booked for this all in show, you know, it's, it's going to prove difficult. Um, well, if yeah, they're in Chicago, that doesn't, that doesn't mean that one of them can't change or if, September 1st might just be the day that, things get announced you know probably not <laughs> they're they're all had this september 1st thing as part of their initial you know they're obviously being very um uh secretive about a lot of this stuff but the simple fact of the matter is you know if you're in chicago you can book some crazy good crowds you know you're gonna get a great crowd um a lot of the people from chicago probably aren't going to la for bola anyways um, right. and but talent is a question could go to Chicago. talent is a question I still don't think Bola will have any problem selling out all, all nights um, but that being said you go to Chicago you probably get in Colt Cabana just to throw it out there and my oh my is that a wonderful pitch to one uh, to one CM Punk who wouldn't have to go very far 
Carr if he wanted to make an appearance. Yeah, I mean, the Chicago thing is just my guess, but if it is true... Chicago makes could, sense. I mean, they could uh, they could make that, but, you know, I, I, I don't know that Punk is really interested in that. You know, I, I know that the Young Bucks have reached out to him uh-huh. um, publicly and privately, uh-huh. but... You know, he's, uh, I think he's still waiting on his next fight for UFC. I don't know if UFC is that interested in giving him another fight. Certainly doesn't seem like it. Um, but, you know, I don't, besides that, I don't really know what he's doing besides training and, and kind of just kind of living that life, waiting, waiting for the next fight to, uh, waiting for Dana White to give, give him a call. Yeah. So, you know, I, I don't know. You know, it's not unheard of. Uh, it, it wouldn't be crazy if he wanted to do it that UFC would let him do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the key there is he has to want to do it. And, and I don't know. Sure. Is it, is it a big feather that he needs in his cap to say he put 10,000 people in, uh, in the Young Bucks and Cody Rhodes' show? I don't, I don't know if that's something he wants to prove to himself or mm-hmm. needs to prove to himself. Mm-hmm. Perhaps, uh, perhaps we should we should uh, transition this along. Uh, before we get to WWE, let's talk quickly about ROH. Um, the Music City Excellence Show, which is their next big show, um, is uh, already has some matches announced. Um, this will be ROH's, I think, first big show of the year, um, and we already have a few matches signed. We know the um, Women of Honor will be in action. They're uh, building their women's division over in Ring of Honor. Um, let's go through some of the matches that have been announced as far as um, the rest of Ring of Honor. Uh, Marty Skrull takes on Shane Taylor. Jay Lethal takes on Flip Gordon. And uh, the ROH World Six-Man Tag Team Championships will be defended. The Hung Bucks... Uh, Adam Page and the Young Bucks taking on SoCal Uncensored, Christopher Daniels, Frankie Kazarian, and Scorpio Sky. Uh, Of course, Daniels and Kazarian have had their problems with the Bullet Club, specifically with the Young Bucks, before. So uh, this is a a continuation of that feud um, as it continues to evolve. ROH World Tag Team Champions, Motor City Machine Guns, uh, Alex Shelley and Chris Sabin, will take on Best Friends, Beretta and Chucky T., Matt Taven will take on the American Nightmare Cody in Cody's first ROH match since losing the World Championship. And uh, your main event will be the ROH World Champion Dalton Castle taking on Punishment Martinez in his first title defense. Yeah, that's going to be a good one. I think for me it's a little early for that Martinez match, but... You know, it, it it's going to be cool to see anyway. I just think that um, the heat is is not there quite there, but it doesn't mean that it won't get there in the future. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's going to be a good match. I just don't think it's going to be one where you think that uh, the title is going to change hands. Yeah, I I certainly don't think so, but it could be a good way. It could also be a time for Dalton Castle to kind of show what he's got against somebody who maybe doesn't quite. You know, Cody had all the heat in the world. And, yeah. you know, Dalton Castle winning that title was a big deal. So now 
you know, Dalton Castle's kind of getting thrown into the fire immediately to say, listen, go defend against this guy who may not quite be there yet, but it feels very New Japan. You know, when you're when you're the world champion after a huge show, even if you just won it, you get somebody who maybe isn't quite there yet, but, you know, you're building to that point. And that I think I think is what we've got here. I, I agree with you there. The, the heat on Martinez is nothing compared to what Cody had. Um, so that's something that they'll have to overcome. But, you know, ROH fans can be a bit ravenous in a good way. So that shouldn't be a problem. Uh, speaking of championships, let's go into WWE's championships. Specifically, the United States Championship Tournament, which now has our semifinal matches set. Zack Ryder losing to Mojo Rawley. Mojo Rawley will take on Bobby Roode on one side of the bracket. Jinder Mahal will take on Xavier Woods next week on SmackDown. Uh, Bobby Roode and uh, Rawley having a little bit of a confrontation on this week's episode of SmackDown. But uh, who are your finalists? We have Bobby Roode, Mojo Rawley, Xavier Woods, and Jinder Mahal. Who are your finalists at the Royal Rumble? Yeah, my finalist would be um, Jinder Mahal and Bobby Roode. Although, you know, I would I would feel like those two guys would be in the Rumble later that night. So unless they want to work twice in a row. Oh, I don't think either of those two would be upset about that. I mean, it's not unheard of. But, you know, the other thing I've noticed about this Royal Rumble card is there's like, you know, there's like seven matches, two of which are hour-long Royal Rumble, hour-long plus Royal Rumble matches. They won't have one to, of them. Two worry out of about three falls time. match. You know, it's a lot of wrestling to fit into a four-hour show. Well, there. Well, you know that show's going over. Yeah, there's I mean, no way that it's not going over. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it must, right? Yeah. It, it absolutely has and, to. And do you open with one rumble and close with the other rumble? or They will know, probably wait. open with the women's rumble and close with the men's rumble. I think I was wondering that myself, and I thought they might put the women's rumble maybe two or three matches in. Um, you know, a good place. Uh, they typically like to start with a women's match or a, a tag team match now, which I don't think is a bad idea, but obviously you won't have an individual um uh, wait a minute. Is um is Oscar uh, uh, Alexa Bliss is defending her title against Oscar, isn't she? No, she's not. Alexa Bliss isn't. No. Neither of the women's champions are going to be wrestling on this show. Yeah, no, they. I mean, I think they need all hands on deck for the Rumble, and then that you know the champions aren't going to be in there, so. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I've heard good theories. Obviously, the big rumor is Ronda is going to come in. And um, a, a good theory would be because she's not, you know, signed to either brand. Hmm. When she wins, she challenges both champions and then they unify the titles on Ronda. Uh, I doubt that they would do that, but that would kind of be the best case scenario, if you ask me. Right. The other thing is, like, 30 women, I think when you put all of the non-champion women's wrestlers on both brands together, you're maybe hitting 15, maybe. So half of this rumble is going to be call-ups from NXT or Legends or things of that nature. 
I have your answer for that. It's not 15, it's 17 as of today. Um, Well, I mean, still half of the, you know, basically half of it. Whereas a traditional Royal Rumble, you might get two or three surprises, you know, that are kind of not going to win. Here you're going to have 13 that you are pretty sure aren't going to win, you know. Unless Ronda, that and then you would have twelve that you're pretty sure aren't going to win. But mm-hmm. um, and then you know that's that's interesting, and they can do it. But can they do it every year? You know, like how how many times can we see uh, Trish Stratus come back for the Royal Rumble before it's not surprising or cool anymore? Three, four, you know. Do you think they were a bit too ambitious with the thirty entrance? They could have probably done this with. 20 or 25 and it would have been more re- it would have been a little bit more uh realistic yeah. or because it was yeah, the first gone, one we had I to have 20 we needed to have the same rules yeah i would have gone 20 or actually you know i would have gone 21 and i know that's a weird number but i think with it being the women's rumble i think it would be fine and that would set like uh, that would be an easier number to remember it would be kind of out there different and also, when you watch a regular Royal Rumble match and that 30 spot comes, it kind of feels like, wouldn't it be weird if the clock just started again? So, like, for one more person, like that one last, uh, that one last surprise. Mm-hmm. So I think 21 is what I would have gone with. 30, I think, is good, but I think it's going to be hard to do every year yeah. without it getting old. I agree. I think that they're they. It's going to be a tough act to follow. Uh, though I am very excited to see the first one. Um, and as an activity, not today. We'll do this later. Um, we'll do this in the next couple of weeks. But as an activity, I would like us to go through, fill out what we think are going to be the other thirteen entrants for that women's Royal Rumble match. Because I think a lot of them we would agree on. Um, but I don't want to do that tonight. I want us to actually do some prep and actually do this right. Um, yeah. We have two more shows before that happens. How about we will do that the week uh, before the Rumble? Do you want to do that the week before, or is that show going to be too busy? Uh, no, that'll be fine. We can do that. Okay. We'll do that on the 25th. So two weeks from two weeks from today, the 11th, on the 25th, that episode that we release we'll do the women's Royal Rumble match participants because at that point, everyone that we know will be locked in and then we can start filling it out as far as who we think is going to fill the rest of that out because I think that's going to be a lot more fun than trying to do that for the men's because honestly, there's so many more male competitors that it's impossible and we've also seen it a lot. So yeah, I, I think it'll be interesting to see. We'll see how many NXT uh, call-ups we have at least for that one night. We'll see how many legends right. we come up with, um, how many Ronda Rouseys we have, um, and we'll go from there. So that's basically between the U.S. title match and the two Royal Rumble matches. That's like three quarters of this pay per view. Um, yeah, and then the the two out of three fall tag match, which is a which... weird one to do on a show. You're going to be pressed for time. Yeah. You know you're you know, going to get and, two quick falls. Unless you're going to run through the falls, in, in which case, what's the point of even doing it, you know? It's going to be a waste. They're they're going to waste it. Um, but before we talk about the Rumble, because we can talk about that in a couple weeks, um, specifically, 
Let's quickly go through a couple of things that happened. The Balor Club is officially a thing now. Um, it's officially a thing. We can't complete call it... with uh, multiple New Japan shoutouts and references. Yes, I love the uh, the Fale uh, shoutout was uh, was one I instantly recognized. Um, that Carl Baba. Anderson, of course, is going to make New Japan references because he can now. Now that he's teamed up with Finn Balor, he can get away with it. Although yeah. they did, they the WWE he has gone back to talking about how Gallows and Anderson were IWGP Tag Team Champions, which yeah, you know, it's not specific necessarily to New Japan, but it is at this point. I mean, yeah, know. it's specific without saying the company name, right? Yeah, yeah, that's um, the joy of that. You know, uh, will they start saying the never open weight champions? Because that would be very interesting. Uh, that would be interesting, and would be very yeah. I liked um, I liked this. Uh, this dynamic they put on Jason Jordan, who for me has pretty been pretty much been unbearable to watch the last couple of months. Um, but this new thing that they're doing, uh, <laughs> where he's just so happy and positive and back slapping and everything where, you know, they can't even Seth Rollins is just looking at Roman Reigns like I'm. I'm sorry. I. It's not my fault. <laughs> you know. Ironically, um, making him less bearable to the talent has made him more bearable to watch. Yeah, yeah. When when the talent is selling it, it works because they're you know they're feeling what we're feeling, and we no longer have to feel it. We can enjoy that it's happening to someone else. Mm-hmm. Um. So I like that dynamic. Um. It'll be interesting to see where it goes. Um. And uh, then, of course, we have the Balor Club come out in full form and and set up the main event for for later in the night. Mm-hmm. So, uh, good segment. I I like the I like the first segment. I don't want to go into a segment by segment recap, but um, I Finn Balor is clearly enjoying himself, and yeah. he's cut loose a little bit. He's not quite so serious, which I think. Finn Balor being more human is a really good idea for him. A couple of reasons. One, it makes him a little bit more relatable, so he doesn't feel quite so I'm super serious babyface. But at the same time, it also means that when he turns, when he flips that switch to go into the demon, it's that much more jarring. Um, yeah, yeah. So, uh, plus, I always, I love me some Gallows and Anderson. Give me Tex Ferguson and Chad too bad as much as possible. That's that is my request. Give me the Good Brothers as often as you can. Uh, although Kurt Angle messed up, he called them good friends, old friends, but in fact they're just three real good brothers. Um, yeah, yeah. So I mean, that was a positive point in the show. They uh, they were doing these reveals, which continued the next night for this mix Mac challenge, which is going to start next Tuesday after SmackDown is going to start. Uh, that's the Facebook thing, which apparently is going to run for 12 weeks. We're going to have to deal with that. Um, you don't have to watch it. Like, I'm going to watch the first episode just to see what it is because it sounds like it's going to be one match per episode, um, yeah. which, uh, you know. They've just booked it so oddly with heels and baby faces teaming up and super happy to team up and... Um, you know they they've put a bunch of people who are unbeatable at odds with each other. So you know if this is where Asuka's undefeated streak comes to an end, 
it's going to be pretty disappointing, let me tell you. But I'm not going to be surprised if it happens. Um, it, will it speaking count? Of because Asuka, it didn't happen they, on television or pay-per-view. I think it would still count. I mean, they're still counting Kurt Hawkins' uh, losing streak on house shows. Are um, they really, though? Are they actually counting, or are we in Goldberg territory? Uh, I don't know at this point. Um, um, but uh, they... They did this weird thing, though, with Asuka, where in the same episode of Monday Night Raw, they had her reveal herself to The Miz as her partner. And then later, Nia Jax, the big twist on Nia Jax's conversation with Alexa is that Asuka doesn't speak English. When well, she just spoke the best English. Ago, we saw her speaking English. She just spoke the best English we've heard from her on WWE TV in two years. You know, her so. English is getting notably better, which is wonderful. I'm I'm glad for it um, because she's it will make her in the eyes of WWE will make her uh, more marketable. Um, I didn't really care personally, but WWE works that way. Shinsuke Nakamura and um, Asuka both needed to step up their English, and they both have, um, and they're yeah. using them properly. So, um, but yeah, essentially, what we're looking at most of these. Pairings are pretty standard for, uh, you know, what you'd expect. Balor's with Banks. Nakamura and Natalia is actually kind of funny. Miz and Asuka look like they're going to be a funny team. Big E and Carmella will be hilarious. Strowman and Bliss are just fun because it's the tallest and shortest person they could possibly have gotten. Zayn, and that's exactly why they booked it like that. <laughs> Sami Zayn and Becky Lynch are going to get eliminated in the first round. Uh, Goldust and Alicia Fox are going to get eliminated in the first round. Uh, Jimmy Uso and Naomi are together. Rusev and Lana are together. Elias and Bailey should would they're not going to last long enough to get uh, really fun. Well, that was that was Samoa Joe and Bailey, and Correct. Samoa Joe has a uh, plantar fasciitis rupture in his foot, so Which he's is... going to be in a boot for a while. He may be out of the uh, Royal Rumble. Not sure yet. It was interesting though after his uh, match with. Was that Rhino? Mm-hmm. Um, he was being interviewed, and he was being interviewed about uh, the Royal Rumble, where he announced he's going to be in it. And uh, she was going through a list of names, and he stopped at John Cena and kind of fixated on that, and basically was like, you know, the first thing I'm going to do is eliminate John Cena. Yeah. So I don't know if that's leading somewhere, maybe just house shows or whatever, but. I guess that's, they're going to have to hit the pause button on that until uh, till that foot heals up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, you know, if we don't get Undertaker Cena, which I'm not, it would be cool, but I'm not, wouldn't necessarily be super excited about it. I would like Samoa Joe Cena at Mania. I think it'd be a really I would good, like the, I think it'd be a good since, match. I think it'd be Samoa a great Joe. build. Yeah, especially since he didn't have anything on Mania last year. Giving him a high profile match this year, I think, would be best. I don't care for Undertaker Cena. Um, I think they missed the boat on that that by about nine years. Oh, yeah. I think that's a match that, like, only Vince McMahon really wants to see, and I I don't know why. Like, at this point, what is it going to do for Cena? Or what is it going to do for Undertaker? It's not going to help either guy. It's not going to make really much impact. It's just like, well, you know, stars. Neutral. And and I, I think people... 
and no one's going to be really that excited. I mean, they'll be excited to see The Undertaker, but well, so, I don't think they're going to really be that excited about the match. And Undertaker-Cena, like, does Cena beat Undertaker? Because if Cena loses to Undertaker to get, you know, a little heat back on Undertaker, what does that do for Cena? That just makes him less plausible. But if Cena beats him, that kills any fun in having an Undertaker match ever again. And this might be the last one anyways, but... I'm not for it personally. I'll get into it if it happens. I will get into it, but it's not I my mean, uh, not my choice. I'll be happy to see the Undertaker wrestle. Although I did like how the last year's Mania match was booked with Reigns, where it was like this guy has given everything. He's left not one more ounce of anything to give, and yeah. he's beaten, and he. Yeah, rides off into the sunset. Right. I liked that. So if you bring him back, I mean, have a good reason. Don't just bring him back to bring him back with Cena. I mean, that yeah, you know, who's clamoring for this match? You're you've already given the perfect send off to your your to the greatest outlaw. Don't yeah. don't force him into yet another sequel that we don't need. Um, yeah. You know, I was surprised by how well last year went off. Um, you know, the match itself was a bit of a mess, but besides that like the whole finale like nobody was talking about roman reigns we sat well i shouldn't say we you were watching the boss baby um yeah but uh friends and i were sitting in uh in a living room and we watched for an extra half hour it was 12 15 by the time that show wrapped up on the east coast and we watched the whole thing and did not say a word after with his exit WWE, please don't ruin this. I'm the one thing. As much as I want to see AJ Styles and Shawn Michaels, I'm kind of glad Shawn Michaels doesn't want to do the match because he wants to stay. He wants to keep what happened intact. You know that yeah. that moment, 26 WrestleMania 26. That moment, that whole build, everything about it loses a little bit of that legacy that goes with that if Michaels wrestles again. And he knows it. He's fully aware of it. And I give major props to him because he could have made some really nice paydays by now. Um, but he's he's done very well. Um, let me uh, quickly run through a couple of rumors because we need to wrap it up. Um, currently, and these are as of today, um, I'm getting these from Cage Side Seats, which um, cagesideseats.com. Rumors for the day, which are some things that I've been hearing too. Um, it's expected that the current roster will be at Barclays Center for Raw 25, while the Legends are at Manhattan Center, but with some travel to take place. Um, and that, of course, according to Wrestling Inc. Uh, PW Insider is said that Eric Bischoff will be on that Raw show, first time since 2007, um, which will be nice. Like I've always really enjoyed Eric Bischoff's character. And never felt yeah. he quite got enough run, even though I know he was Raw GM for a couple of years and was involved for a long time. By the time I started watching, Bischoff was gone. And I've always really liked Bischoff's character. Um, Candice LeRae has officially signed with WCW. Uh, WCW. I was talking about Eric Bischoff. <laughs> Hope not. Um, Candice LeRae has officially signed with WWE and should be reporting to the Performance Center later this month. Um, and uh, let's see here. 
All right, cool. I'll leave it at that because the rest of this goes into some spoiler territory. Um, there is one more rumor that's unrelated to WWE, but that is that Billy Corgan has pitched a, an NWA weekly wrestling show to TBS. And what? So that, that's, an interesting, that's an interesting one. What? Especially with all the contract negotiations that are going on currently. Um, Fox is becoming a favorite in the WWE contract negotiations. Uh, which um, would be interesting because Fox was just bought by Disney. Or they will be. Um, um, I'm not sure about the... Uh, did the network and the FS1, did that get bought? Or was it just the film? So and- the Fox-Disney deal because we're past time, and I I do want to actually talk about this for just a second. The Fox-Disney deal was for all of Fox's entertainment properties that would not impact their sports brand or their news brand, uh, which the sons of of Rupert Murdoch, who was the person who founded Fox and built it into what it is today, all the branches of it, he was kind of the starter of it, the Murdoch family, his sons... Now, uh, now have the controlling stake in Fox, and um, Disney would be buying their film and television division, meaning that uh, FX, FXX, um, Fox, the uh, I think the network station would remain as is, um, but yeah. how they would get their content, I'm very that part I'm not as sure about, but. Um, yeah, I'm not sure that Disney would then become the parent to WWE in, in this. Um, I actually just found it. So continue roll. your thought, and I'm going to quickly bone up on this because this is very interesting to me. Yeah, but but basically what would happen is they would get the 8 to 10 slot on Monday nights because Fox has local news at 10. Mm-hmm. Um, so going back to two hours for Raw, which everyone agrees is probably best, yeah. And they'd be on a much bigger platform. They'd be on network television as opposed to cable television. And that's huge. But that would just be raw. SmackDown would probably go to FS1. So SmackDown would probably take a loss in viewership. Possibly. But raw would, raw would be so much greatly, um, you know, so much uh, better off due to that. Now, it's a tough call for Fox because they'll be losing whatever uh, ad revenue they'd be getting in that original 8 to 10 Monday nights because ad revenue for pro wrestling historically is less than regular programming. No reason why other than stigma, I guess. Um, so it, it would be interesting. Of course, you know, this is, this is going to be an all-year discussion with these negotiations and basically what UFC does, because UFC is probably going to be announcing their plan first, their first, whatever they do, wherever they go, is probably going to dictate where WWE goes. So if UFC leaves Fox, it's probably a pretty sure sign that WWE is going to be going to Fox. But if they don't leave Fox, then that kind of leaves things up in the air. And Fox would probably not be paying for two uh, entities that are viewed similarly in the television industry. Although the MMA fans don't want to hear that um, for no, whatever reason. I mean, from a corporate standpoint, 
UFC and WWE are viewed very similarly. Oh, yeah, and as they should. Um, you know, not to say they're the same thing, by no means, but the MMA fans take a lot of... Uh, take They get real hot about that, that particular comparison, um, even though they really are in the same genre, in the same sphere. Although WWE would also say we're not a sport, we're entertainment. So... Yes. Um it's all in how you view it, but it's essentially a lot of the same viewership between the two. Um, so, yeah, I, I what I'm reading, it uh, it's if, a lot of speculation. Uh, all that we know for sure is that Triple H has had meetings with Fox on the move, and you're absolutely right. This would not affect, this would not be in any way affected by the Disney deal because this would be under Fox's sports division. So Fox would keep their network station uh, they would still own that. They would still own all their sports uh, properties and all those deals that come with that. And um, WWE, I kind of thought WWE would be something that might show up on FX, but it's showing up on actual network Fox would be incredible. <laughs> That's huge. Yeah. If, WWE, if WWE is able to swing that and do two-hour Raws on the broadcast, on the network, on the, I can't say the network anymore, on Fox's broadcast network every Monday night, like that's a big deal. That puts that puts WWE in some pretty. No wrestling promotion has ever been in that kind of situation. Well, I mean, WWE has had Saturday night's main event on NBC. That's the closest you know. They've I never been prime time on a weeknight. It's never been regularly prime time on a weeknight. Right. So, the the uh, potential there for growing your viewership is incredibly high, much sure. higher than it is on USA Network, where they pretty much chopped out. But the the is, there's a lot of issues there too. You know, they're 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 big fish in a small pond on USA Network. They're they gotta, you know, prove themselves again if they go to Fox. And if they can't, Fox can cut them. So something that USA would probably not do and Fox probably wouldn't do it if they made a big investment, but you know, it, it, it's it's more possible on Fox than it is on USA Network. Well, the speculation in the report by Meltzer also mentions that Fox could purchase WWE in its entirety, and then they wouldn't have to renegotiate TV deals, and they could call the shots. But do you really see Vince McMahon like not fighting that as a possibility? Um, um. You never know. They are know? a public company, but they're a public company, and after the UFC sale, that was for what four billion dollars. I mean, it's got it's probably very tempting. Mm-hmm. Um, the other caveat to this is that Fox is gearing up to, uh, to to buy up a lot of these um, smaller networks, um, and and services and. And in, in that is Sinclair Broadcasting. So if WWE goes there, this could be very detrimental for Ring of Honor. It if they be. don't, then Ring of Honor might be, might start popping up in L.A., New York, you know, bigger markets. Yeah, I, I think this is probably a stretch. Um, I This would probably be a more favorable deal. But I could also see this report comes out and Triple H can say, listen, we've got other big suitors. you got to pay up, NBC. And I could see where they do it. But, you know, Dick Ebersol was a big reason why WWE always kind of stuck with NBC and why it always kind of worked out that way. Dick Ebersol's not 
in the same place he was before. So, uh, no, and I mean, they left before, you know, they were on Spike for five years. They were on um, TNN before it was even Spike. Yeah, um, TNN and then back when, and then back when TNN like, had an ECW deal. Yeah. So, I mean, they have left before and they came, they've come back. And so, I mean, it's up in the air, but, um, you know, this will be an ongoing discussion, like I said, this whole year. And we probably won't know anything until the second half of the year. But it is very interesting to see what's going on. Yeah. And, um, and uh, you know, of course, this Facebook thing, that could be another player in it. They're, they're obviously trying to get something going on Facebook. Now, the, the interesting note about that is, um, I forget his name off the top of my head, but he was the head NXT writer for the last couple of years who just got moved up to the main roster. And the Mix Max Challenge is his baby. So, you know, if, if that goes well and if, you know, if Facebook's interested, then you got to think that we'll be seeing a more NXT style to the main roster, which I think everyone would welcome. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see. But, it, it you Joe, know, think about Joe it. Pelca- in, in, Joe Belcastro? No, he's, he's got like a like Rob or Ron or something. Yeah, I can't think of it right now off the top of my head, but uh, uh, he's got like an, a normal name like that. Um, but if you think about it, in like 18 months' time, we could have, you know, we could be gearing up for WWE Raw on Fox and, you know, NWA weekly television on TNT or something like that, <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. Could be a whole new uh, whole new landscape coming. Mm-hmm. Oh, I didn't know Runjan Singh was uh, one of their creative writers now. Good for him. Yeah. Um, sorry, I'm I'm doing through a few. Dewey Foley is a creative assistant. All right, I'm going down a weird hole. Um, <laughs> all right, let's uh, let's wrap it up because we've gone over as per usual. Um, that uh, I guess that'll do it for us this week. Next week uh, we'll. Keep going through to the developments as we build up towards the Royal Rumble. Maybe Royal Rumble tickets will drop in price sharply, which we can only hope. Um, yes, because they are currently at three hundred dollars. And oh, those actually, are drop. that's a bubble. That's they're at three hundred and fifteen dollars on SeatGeek right now. They're at like that's a bubble two seventy on uh, on uh, before you throw in fees on StubHub. Yeah. Yeah, that'll come down, and I'm sure you'll be able to get them in Philadelphia, um, you know, that weekend. So we'll see. One can hope for the poor souls looking to go. Um, All right, that'll do it for us. Thank you guys for listening. Um, We have both managed to get through this podcast, which went long again, but uh, you guys are the best, and keep listening to us. And uh, our Wrestle Kingdom uh, 12 review got... Uh, got a few more listens than we uh, normally see um, and uh, we we appreciate that um, they like that new Japan we're gonna have to talk about it more uh, you know I you know what I think might be our one of our current leaders one of our current highest listened uh, episodes What's Brando that? saves Christmas well you know you put a big name in the uh, in the title it's gonna I, draw people. you got lead over Kenny Omega it's true. It's true. You put your headliners you, and your main eventers first on the card. Um, 
Well, at the top of the card. Don't put them first on the card. Unless it's going to go poorly. Anyways, that'll do it for us. We'll see you guys next week. Um, Hopefully, we will both be feeling better by then. Um, If you're sick, you feel better too because it sucks. Um, Anything you'd like to leave for the fans? Um, See you next week. Thanks. Adios. Gracias. CMLL. Like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash barricade show. Follow us on Twitter at barricade show. You can listen to the show each and every week at soundcloud.com slash barricade show or search for over the barricade podcast on iTunes and Google play. Follow Lee Brando on Snapchat, Twitter, and Instagram at Lee Brando underscore and send him a friend request on Facebook. Just search for Lee Brando and don't forget you can send us an email over the barricade podcast at gmail.com. Send in your suggestions. We'll see you next week.